to just talk to you this morning um, about <clears throat> music. And I think most of you are probably pretty familiar with music. I mean, you were here for the last 20 minutes, so you would have heard some fantastic music from our worship band. But music is actually a universal language. So every known culture, every known society uses music to convey uh, emotions, to express ideas, to just really kind of capture a lot of what it means to be human. And probably you've listened to a fair bit of music in your time. You'll know that around the world, many of those popular songs convey really important ideas, big themes, they address really significant topics that are important to us as human beings. So this morning I'm going to give you a little test. I'm going to give you a quiz, a music quiz. Are you up for this this morning? Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm excited. So, so I'm going to show uh, up on the screen some popular songs from the last few decades, and I'm going to give you multi-choice options. I know this is super easy. Multi-choice options, um, and you just need to kind of figure out what the song, what you think the song is all about, okay? It'll be very, very obvious. So we'll start with this one, a classic, I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. Who was alive when this song came out in 1956? Yes, okay. So, you've got an advantage, unfortunately, but anyway, so is I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash, is, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, I got some crunchies here as well. <laughs> oh, the, the stakes have suddenly jumped. Okay, so is it about an acrobat? Is it about someone performing criminal behaviors of some sort? Is it about marriage fidelity, or is it about the latest surfing moves? If you think you know what it is, Stacy. Stacy thinks it's about B criminal behavior. Does anybody agree with him? Okay. All right. Are there any other variations on that? C. Hands up if you think it's C. Okay. Who said C? Sorry, Stace, but it's actually marriage fidelity. So Johnny Cash was married to his first wife, and um, it was sort of his statement of commitment to her. Um, yeah, okay. And then it changed a little bit <laughs> in the rest of his life. But anyway, that's what it was about in 1950s. Okay, second one, Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. Is it about a motorcycle gang? Is it about a policewoman? Is it about a retail assistant? Or is it about Billy Joel's girlfriend at the time? Jordan? Anybody else think otherwise? D is correct, Jordan. Okay. Motorcycle gang, uh, there's, there, there's that in the, in the video, if you watch the video, but it's not about that. It's about his girlfriend at the time, who happened to be, well, according to the internet, Ellie McPherson and Christy Brinkley. <laughs> so, maybe it should have been called Uptown Girls, I don't know. Anyway, all right, third one, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Is it about uh, one of Mark Knopfler's billionaire friends? Is it about the excesses of rock and roll? Is it about the American economy? Or is it about selling a car and making tons of money? If you said B with this man in the front row, you are correct. So Mark Knopfler was in, uh, in an appliance shop and um, there was a, a workman there watching all these TVs playing MTV, video, uh, MTV music videos. And the workman, the delivery guy, he was like, I'm just getting money for nothing. That ain't working, you know? 
And so Mark Knopfler's busy writing down these lyrics of this guy, turns it into a song. Crazy. Okay. All right. Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. Okay. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's just think about this for a second. Looking at that picture, do you think it could be about drugs? Could be B, about a building fire. What about an underwater volcano? Or what about the destruction of Atlantis? B is correct, okay? So they were at a concert, not their concert, they're another concert. And it sounds like an amazing concert because someone let off fireworks inside the building, which is a sign of a great concert, which burnt the building down, and then the deep purple guys were like, oh, look at that, the city's building burning down. Anyway, okay, Hello by Adele. Is it about regret and guilt? Is it about a call center worker, a long-lost friend, or a new boyfriend? Okay, we've had a few for C. Any other takers? What's that? A. Why do you think it's about A? <laughs> Great answer. Okay. Adele wrote this because she was feeling uh, remorseful about missing out on time with her child, uh, and it became obviously a massive hit. So anyway, right. Last one. Last one. Hey Jude by the Beatles. Now, I'm not going to sing this to you because it goes for eight minutes, but if you want to get into a rousing chorus, nah, 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 that's right. So, is it about Judaism? Is it about a famous footballer? Is it about a former girlfriend or is it about John Lennon's divorce? Warren, what do you reckon? Former girlfriend. I can tell you that that is not the correct answer. Okay, any other takers? We've got like, you guys are just saying A, C, and D. So chances are you're going to get it. Down the back. D. Are you 100% sure on D? Okay, you're just taking a three-quarter chance. Well, you are correct. Okay. It was about John Lennon's divorce. He didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it, and, um, and it was actually written to John Lennon's son called Julian. It was going to be called Hey Jules, but they changed it to Hey Jude, and the rest is history, right? Now, 3,000 years before all these songs, there's actually a collection of songs which convey a huge range of emotions and ideas, a whole lot of ideas that are really important to us being uh, as, as humans. And unfortunately, over the centuries, a lot of that music has been lost, but we still have the lyrics. And what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is unpacking some of those lyrics from these ancient psalms or these ancient songs. And I really hope that you'll discover as you journey with us that those lyrics are just as real and relevant now as they were 3,000 years ago. They say a lot about who God is. They say a lot about who we are and a lot about what's really important in this world. And so this morning, the song, the psalm that we're going to unpack is Psalm 40. I would love you to find that if you have a Bible. I'm going to put it on the screen as well. But what we're going to see is the songwriter weaves together a number of themes, a number of really important ideas, and, um, and just discover what he has to say. So how about I give you some background information while you are finding this. The songwriter is a man called David. And he was 
arguably one of the most famous figures in ancient history. Over his lifetime, he was a shepherd, he was a warrior, he was a refugee, and he was a king. But he was also a musician and a poet. And part of his legacy which he has left us is around about 70 psalms which are recorded, 70 songs which are recorded in the book of Psalms. Now, unfortunately, with this Psalm 40, we're not really sure exactly when David wrote it. There's no historical context, there's no specific event that it's linked to, but it's likely that David wrote this after he had been crowned king of the Israelite nation, round about the year 1010 BC. And if you're here with us in August last year, you'll know that we tracked through a little bit of David's life and we saw that his path to the throne was really challenging. He had a lot of struggles, a lot of obstacles to get through. So it's likely that in Psalm 40, David is looking back at some of those challenges, but he's also looking forward. And I think that's really timely for us as we stand here at the start of a new year. We look back a little bit, but we also look forward. And so through the psalm, David emphasizes three ideas, three actions, three themes, which we would be well to do. So here's the first one. This is what he encourages us to do. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. He praises God. Look at what he says. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. What you need to know is that when David was a teenager, he was promised that one day he would be king. But that promise was not fulfilled until at least 15 years later. Now, by any stretch of the imagination, 15 years is a long time to wait, right? And part of those 15 years, David was on the run. He was a fugitive. He was hunted as an outlaw because of the jealousy of the current king, a king called Saul. You can read about his story in 1 Samuel in the Bible. And so it's likely that those tough times when David was on the run is what he's figurative referencing when he talks in there in verse 2 about the pit of despair, of, of the mud and the mire. That's what he's likely talking to. But in his providence, God rescues David. You'll see there in verse 2, David writes that his feet have been set on solid ground. He's been steadied. He's been given a new song to sing, a song of praise by God. In fact, in verse 4 and 5, David says, God's deeds are so wonderful. He has helped him. God has helped him out of a sticky situation. Now, maybe maybe you've experienced something similar in your life. Maybe there's been some sort of uh, event or some encounter or some situation where you've seen God's hand at work. You can recall the goodness and the grace of God as he's rescued you out of some sticky situation, out of some pit of despair, out of some tough, tough times. So I'm just going to invite you to pause for a minute and think about that. Just quietly, you don't have to share this with anybody, but just think about a time when God pulled you out of the pit, when he set your feet on solid ground. Maybe it was a job change. 
Maybe it was uh, a new friend or some sort of financial blessing, a new opportunity, a timely provision, just the perfect thing at the perfect moment. So just give you a few seconds to just pause and think about a time when God was at work in your life. Now maybe as you pause and look back and you recognize God's goodness, it's important to do that because in the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of our lives and the troubles and the trials that we go through, David reminds us that we need to praise God. We need to thank him for what he's done. That's what David did. He recognized that God had rescued him in tough times, and so therefore God deserved the honor and the glory. You know, I'm reminded of some other lyrics that were written 150 years ago, and this is how they go. It's a, a famous hymn called, To God Be the Glory. That's the first line, To God be the glory, great things he has done. And the chorus is, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Now, that's our encouragement this morning, is to praise God. Now, in this next section of this psalm, David shifts his focus a little bit. He's been lifted out of the pit, he's set on solid ground, and then he goes to worship God. And it's likely that he goes to the tabernacle, a special tent where God's presence was and where David could worship God. So this is what he does. He goes there and he gives something to God. We're going to start reading in verse 6 of Psalm 40. You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, look, I have come, as is written about me in the scriptures. I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. I've told all your people about your justice. I've not been afraid to speak out, as you, O Lord, well know. I've not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I've talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I've told everyone in the great assembly of your unfailing love and faithfulness. In ancient times, the Jewish people had a, a system of sacrifices and offerings which they would present to God. Now, this was not because God needed their stuff. It was simply an acknowledgement of his provision and his sovereignty in their lives. And David realizes that sacrifices, yeah, they're important. But the real offering that God wants is the hearts and the minds and the hands of his people. You know, a thousand years after David, God sent Jesus, his one and only son, to the world. And Jesus pointed out that it was very easy to go through the motions with God. Very easy to say the prayers and sing the songs and attend church and, and not really connect with God. But God wants us fully engaged. He wants our hearts and our minds and our hands to be devoted, to be dedicated to his plans and purposes. That's what Paul, one of the first Christians, he encouraged uh, his other Christians to live by. He said this, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, David knew that he had to give to God more than just a sacrifice or an offering. God wants 
all of us, our hearts and our minds and our hands. He wants to shape us into the people that he has created us to be. So just think for a minute about this year coming up. We're on the edge of 2021. How can you give what you have to God? How can you offer your heart and your mind and your hands to his surfaces? How can you align yourself with his good and pleasing and perfect will? Perhaps for you it's just continually, faithfully praying for your wayward child or your disgruntled parent. Perhaps it's about being as consistent as you can in your Bible readings. Perhaps it's at work, you know, about being a diligent employee or a compassionate employer. Maybe it's just simply pausing in awe and amazement at the brilliance of God's creation. Maybe it's reprioritizing your finances, investing more in God's work and less in your own pursuits. Maybe it's about sharing the hope that you have with your friends and neighbors. I mean, that's certainly what David did. He says in verse 10 that he has not kept his good, uh, the good news of God's justice hidden. In fact, he's shared that. He's told people about God's faithfulness of his saving power and his unfailing love. And here's the thing. God wants your life to be a testimony to his grace and his goodness by giving him your heart, your mind, in your hands. You know, it reminds me of a classic chorus from that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy hand has provided. Great is Thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I hope you can sing that this year. Because that's the response to God's great faithfulness we are called to give our hearts and our minds and our hands. On this final scene of this song that David writes, he affirms God's provision. So track with me, uh, Psalm 40, verses 11 through to 17. Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. Let your unfailing love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles surround me, too many to count. My sins pile up so high I can't see my way out. They outnumber the hairs on my head. I've lost all courage. Please, Lord, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to destroy me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they said, Ah, we've got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great. As for me, since I am poor and needy, yet the Lord keep me in his thoughts. You are my helper and my savior. Oh my God, do not delay. I don't know, but perhaps David's left the tabernacle. Perhaps he's left that worship service that's all over and done with, and he's gone back to the palace, and he is confronted by his royal responsibilities. And maybe you know what that's like. I mean, maybe not the king or the queen thing, but You know, you go to church and it's great and you're really encouraged on Sunday morning and then 9 a.m. on Monday morning, there's new battles to fight, there's fresh problems to solve. Or maybe it's during the week and you've read something, a really uplifting scripture that morning and you just feel so refreshed and, and energized and then the rest of the day you're just putting out fires and it's just draining and really disheartening. 
But when he is faced with these challenges, David again turns to God for help. David realized that worship is a great opportunity to honor God, but it's also a chance to be equipped to live for his glory in the midst of our daily struggles, to trust him. In fact, actually, David's humility shines through this last section of the song. He recognizes his own sinfulness in verse 12, and then he acknowledges his need for God in verse 17. David trusts God. He trusts that God knows the future and that God has everything under control. And now as we look ahead to 2021, may you trust God. Perhaps you're anxious about school starting back up. You know, teachers, classmates, content, challenges. Perhaps you're uncertain about your job this year. You just don't know what it's going to look like. Maybe there's some health concerns, some family worries, some financial pressure, a relationship tension. Whatever comes your way, may you echo the words of David where he says he trusts God to be his helper and his saviour. You know, perhaps one of the most famous Christian songs is It Is Well With My Soul. We've sung a section of it this morning. And that songwriter was a man called Horatio Spafford. He wrote the song after suffering some traumatic events. So in the year 1871, there was a great fire which ripped through downtown Chicago. Horatio Spafford owned a lot of property there. This fire destroyed most of the properties that he owned and just caused some financial ruin. In the same year, his four-year-old son died. Two years later, in 1873, all four of his daughters drowned when they were on a ship crossing the Atlantic and it sunk. You know, despite that massive sorrow, that tragic loss that he experienced, Horatio Spafford was able to write these words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot." You have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know, whatever his lot, Horatio Spafford was able to trust in God. And I think, I think we would do well if we could do the same. So we've just very quickly tracked through those lyrics of that psalm. And I hope you've been encouraged by this ancient song. Because the song is all about how God has met the needs of David. And how God promises to meet our needs. And I guess as this new year begins, actually not only God promises to meet our needs, but he offers to give us a new song to sing. And maybe this is what you need. Maybe 2020 has been pretty messy. Maybe it was just a messy Christmas. Maybe you've just had a really messy morning today. And you need a new song. It's a new year. You need a new song to sing. So my question for you is this, what song are you going to sing this year? Are you going to sing a song of praise to God? Are you going to sing a song where you give yourself to God? Are you going to sing a song where you trust God this year? I'm just going to give you a, a quiet moment to decide which, which song you're going to sing in 2021, just between you and God to confirm that, to think about that, and then I'll invite the band back.
God, we just want to say that we are grateful to be able to start this new year with you. We want to echo those ancient lyrics of David that he wrote 3,000 years ago. We want to give you praise. We want to give to you. We want to trust you in 2021. And so we look forward to this new song that you'll help us sing. We pray that this new song will help us faithfully follow your call for your name's sake and for your glory. Amen. Thanks.